my logic was, if I post, will I regret doing so more than if I don't post and regret not doing it? And I said, I know that I will regret not trying at least. And so I tried and it worked. And the reason why I think think it's worked. And of course, I still have haters. Everyone listening, I see you looking at my LinkedIn profile, but not cheering me on. So I know exactly who you are. And I appreciate you. What I knew to be true is if I continue to show up authentically, me and not trying to be someone I wasn't, it was going to show other people that it was okay to do so. Welcome to the Rising Leader Podcast bringing forth the new wave of rising leadership and helping leaders find purpose, connection, and results. This is your host, founder of Alluviance, Alex Kremer. Welcome to the Rising Leader Podcast. This is your host, Alex Kremer. I am pumped about today. We got a good one here for us with one of my very good friends, Mr. Anthony Natoli. Anthony, what up, brother? Just want to give a little shout out to you. What's going on? What up, man? I'm excited to be here. Dude, this has been a long time coming, man. I feel like probably six months or so ago when I was like, hey, man, I'm thinking about starting a podcast. I'd love for you to be on it. You're like, absolutely, let's do it. And so it's good to finally be sitting here and just getting ready to jam out with you, man. Let me just give like a little bit of introduction on you and then I'm going to let you fill in the gaps where I missed. Uh, for those who don't know, Anthony Toli, first off, he's a great guy to follow on LinkedIn. I have learned an absolute ton from him. We have a unique origin story though, where I think it was about three or so years ago, you were an account executive at Demand Base. I was a sales leader at Outreach. And I saw you on LinkedIn and I was like, you know what? That guy could potentially be a phenomenal seller here at Outreach and reached out. We had a couple of conversations. You went through our interview loop and you actually moved into Outreach as an account executive and learned a lot, man. Learned a lot from you. And I think that you learned a lot from me and the Outreach crew and just leadership and sales and a whole bunch of stuff. And... One of the things that I was really inspired by with you, it was probably you were about three months into the role and you were starting to feel some traction with it. And you decided, you know what, guys, I think I got some stuff to say. I think I got a really good message that I want to start sharing with the world. And you started to post on LinkedIn every single day. And you started to develop your voice. And it's been wonderful to bear witness to what that path has evolved into and who you've grown into as a person, who you've grown into as a leader, and the thousands of people that you've now impacted on a personal basis. We were just talking about that yesterday of just the random texts that you get from people saying, hey, man, you changed my life, which is phenomenal to see. And since then, we've obviously both moved on from outreach, but you are the co-founder of the Revenue Lab in partnership with one of our good friends, Tom Malamo. You're helping AEs, SDRs, founders, you name it, build predictable pipeline through sales training, through consulting and all that good stuff. And man, I feel like that's just the beginning of some of the stuff that you got coming down the pipe here. Thanks for being on here, man. And what did I miss? I hopefully summarized some good stuff here, but did I miss any good nuggets here from our paths together? Yeah, man, I think that was a great intro. We'll get into my story in a bit, like prior to outreach and why I thought I had a good message to share with the world. But yeah, what was funny, I'd been at Demand Base for about three and a half years and 
I had been looking and our old boss, DR, Dave Rubenstein, hit me up on LinkedIn. And the timing was very serendipitous. I remember here prior, I saw him get hired as a VP on the East Coast and they're opening up a New York presence. And I was like, damn, like that is somewhere that I'd love to work one day. And just so happened a year later, it hit me up. I was actually supposed to be on like the customer growth team, but you and I met and we just clicked and you're like, dude, sorry, but you got to be on my team. <laughs> and I was like, explain <laughs> some sass with me, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember what you said to me specifically. You're like, when you get that boom email after a close one deal, there's a different type of feeling when it says new logo. And I was like, all right, I'm in. Yeah. And we did it. We did it. Our relationship turned very quickly, not only into helping me become a better sales professional, but because I opened up and was vulnerable with my past and my story, you were really able to help me take my game to the next level personally. And it had a massive impact on just like how I viewed the world, how I viewed myself, areas of opportunity. And it just made me a better seller and better person. And yeah, and after outreach, you and I have just continued to work together one-on-one and it's been awesome, man. So Mm. those are the gaps that I would fill, but you covered it pretty spot on. It's funny. It's uh, before I started Alluvians as being an official company, it started as a word, (laughs) right? The essence of the word means to be in a state of flow as you are learning and growing and developing. And even when I moved up into second line leader and I wasn't directly managing you, we still kept our one-on-ones and they were rebranded to Alluvians conversations. And those conversations were some of the ones where I look forward to the most. We used to just get in like a breakout room. There used to be a whiteboard and we used to just jam out on the meaning of life on purpose on on all that good stuff and i think what i loved most about working with you is but so much of what i've learned about leadership is that through the art of coaching and supporting somebody on their journey i receive so much i receive so much in terms of being vulnerable with somebody of how to be a powerful question asker and as i would hear about what your story was and what you were thinking i was like oh i need to do that i need to be starting to ask myself those questions so it's such a dynamic type of relationship that we have there. So I want to talk a little about your story. And I think that it's a unique one and it's a really powerful one. And you share it a good amount on LinkedIn. And it's one that is the, hey, I went through some hard times. I went through some times where I really was faced with my shadow and my shadows and I had to overcome that. And through overcoming that, um, you really developed into who you are now. And that doesn't mean that you're not still working through your shadows. Your shadows never go away. Just the relationship that one has to your shadows does evolve and change. And so I would love just to go back, man. Go back to, what is it, three, five, six years ago. Talk to me about where you were then. Talk to me about what you were going through and just... Let's hear it, brother. I want to dive in. Yeah. It's so funny when I think about that time. It's such a vivid picture in my mind of who Anthony was, what he thought about, what did he care about. And a lot of those things are what drove me to the place that I ultimately got myself, which was rock bottom. And I think even you have to look at it before, like, the five, six years ago. It's been ever since I was a middle school, high school. My parents got divorced at a very young age. And so for a long time, it was me, my mom, my older sister, and my biological father, albeit saw him on the weekends. And growing up, 
and becoming an adult, my mom was able to share a lot of those things. And it's funny, the similarities of how I acted as a teenager with how he was meaning very insecure and needy and controlling. And that's who I was growing up as a kid. And I always like to reference myself and the younger version of Anthony as like the class clown, the one that overcompensated to try to make himself feel like he was good enough because I never felt like I was good enough. Despite playing all these sports growing up and hanging out with all the cool kids, I just never felt like I was truly good enough. But at the time, I didn't realize. It was just like an unconscious thing for me that I was... This was just who I was. I was the pure person that would act out in, in, in class and go to the principal's office and get sent to the detention and just acted out of just really trying to like make people like me. And I cared so much about what people thought. And I think that was because of that absence with my parents growing up. And my, my mom ended up getting remarried to my stepdad, who I consider my dad now. I don't talk to my biological dad. Haven't talked to him since I was a freshman in college, which has been some years now. But essentially, my mom got remarried. We moved back to like my hometown where I lived prior to my mom getting divorced. And, you know, I always felt like the rebel, rebellious kid moving back. And again, it was just because I was like this super insecure kid who all he wanted was like to be loved and feel that love. Not to say that my mom didn't give that to me. It's just she was a single mom for a while and working really hard. And even when I got into high school, my little stepsister got sick. And so my parents weren't around much. And it was just, I was pretty lonely and it was tough. And so all that being said, as you can imagine, you get older, there's more vices available and there are different environments you can put yourself into that can amplify those characteristics of being insecure and looking for external sources of validation. And I started gambling at a very young age in high school and it continued through college. And I went to the University of Arizona and I was in a fraternity and there was partying and girls and all this stuff that allowed me to like really tap into externally to make me feel good and to numb what I didn't know at the time was like this deep insecurity and feeling that I wasn't good enough. And as I moved through college, I went to the University of Arizona, as I mentioned, and graduated, moved to San Francisco, got into my first job where I was making good money. And the gambling was just worse and worse. And my parents had knew about it for a bit. And I was lying to everyone about it. No one really knew because I was making enough money to like hide it and things were fine. And so when I was living in San Francisco, I then like about nine months living there, I got into a relationship was super toxic. And it really looking back on it showed me how insecure and needy and controlling I was. And it's funny, if you ask my mom, how I acted, it was exactly how my biological dad acted with her. It was like, very needy, didn't trust her. And it was a reflection of how I felt about myself as a person and less of her. And it's nice looking back on it, not playing the victim and really taking responsibility for what happened because there was things that happened early on in the relationship where I should have walked away, but I was so insecure that I just kept it going. And it was a very toxic relationship and it moved me away from the things that I really enjoyed, like my friends and working out. And I got into a really bad space and the relationship ended in a really bad way. And after that breakup, which was like early 2018, I was about 26 at the time. 
and really amplified the desire for something external to make me happy. And I was gambling like a madman. I was drinking and eating. And a year before that, my parents had caught me gambling and basically like came clean to them. And so I went like a year without gambling and then started up again. And I was going to a therapist and I was lying to him. And so basically went like a full year with just self-destructive behaviors, but it was like, this is just my reality. This is what I was doing. And so then got to a point in like 2019, in the summertime, we were back in New York for a accompanying mid-year meeting. And I remember sitting in my... And this was in July. And so I, and my dog had just passed away. And I remember sitting in my parents' kitchen and none of my clothes fit. And... I just felt this feeling of disgust. And I had been gambling and they didn't know. And so that was also in the back of my mind. And I just broke down. But to give you a sense of like how crazy my life was, despite having that breakdown, I still continued down that path until November. And so November rolls around of 2019. And I'm still I'm gambling and my mom catches me. And I'll never forget it. It's the day that I was supposed to be going back, flying back from New Jersey, back to San Francisco. Get a big knock on my door. My mom sees my bank account. She can clearly see what I was doing. And my flight wasn't supposed to be until like 7pm that night. And basically, my mom took me downstairs and basically said, Hey, if you don't go to Gamblers Anonymous meeting and finally get yourself help, you're not allowed back in this family basically giving me that ultimatum of you have two choices, get help for yourself or that's it. Like we're cutting you off. Like you're not back for Christmas. And so that moment I was 60 pounds overweight. I was neck deep in debt, probably over a hundred thousand dollars of personal loans, maxed out credit cards, defaulting on credit cards, owing bookies, owing friends of friends. It was truly my rock bottom. And the difference between all the other times that I had gotten myself in that scenario between then is really like my mom giving me that ultimatum and really saying, this is it. And me finally saying, I'm truly disgusted with where my life is. And I need to give myself a chance because I know if I continue down this path, I don't know if I can continue to, to live basically. And so I went back to San Francisco. I started watching Gamblers Anonymous like videos and looking, joining a Reddit community to read about it because I was scared. This is like this thing that is like such a taboo, if you will, like Gamblers Anonymous. Like I'm not that person, but I was. And I, once I accepted that I was that person, it allowed me to start to move forward. Man, that was a long winded story, but I'm happy to dive into to any of it. No, I, to. I appreciate that share. I feel your heart as you share that. And I feel the rock bottomness of that. I'm just imagining your mom coming in and seeing you and seeing your bank account. And I'm assuming the feeling of your mom, who you love probably the most in this world, saying you're not allowed back if you don't get this taken care of. And just what a punch in the face that that probably felt with the value and the importance of that. That's truly tough love right there. That's your mom looking out for your best at the end of the day. What I'm curious about is like, you talk about the insecurity and then you tie that into the drinking, the gambling and the eating. How do you feel like those vices right there 
help to overcome or why were you doing those things to support the insecurity right there? What's the relationship between those? Yeah, I think it's more of the environments in which it helped me escape. Like when I was out partying and buying people tequila shots at the bar and hosting the post-game parties at my apartment and staying up till 4 a.m. with all these people, it fueled the gap inside of me that knew he wasn't good enough. But I had all these people around me and I was the cool guy buying people shots and it made me feel really good. It was that external reach for validation that I was good enough. But what's interesting is that because I was so externally motivated and dependent, when I wouldn't get invited somewhere or someone wouldn't text me back or people were telling jokes, I always took it so personally because I wasn't confident that I was good enough. And so whenever I didn't get that validation, there was a big hole inside of me. Yeah. Same with the eating was like an escape for me. Did it on my own. And it just gives you that dopamine. Eating a burrito when you're hungover. It's all man. But you still you feel shitty afterwards. And the gambling was again that that dopamine and that chase. And it was like almost I was living in this fantasy land where again it was like unconsciously trying to solve my problems that were caused from gambling and eating and spending and partying with more spending, eating, and partying and gambling. It was like, it was legitimately like crazy land. It's like, I go down $1,000 in gambling. What do I think to do? Instead of stopping, it's, oh, let's gamble more to try to get out of that hole. And then you keep chasing and you keep, you keep chasing. And it's this vicious cycle. It's, I you almost know? view it, so you get, you're on like this straight line path and then you go a little bit up because you're able to eat that burrito, do that gamble, whatever it might be. And that feels good. You're able to overcome or compensate for this feeling of not being enough. But when you go a little bit up, when that goes down, it actually starts to create like acceleration going downwards and you go down below even where you were before, you know, yep. it's like that roller coaster ride. And what I think is about your story is right around the same time that you were dealing with your stuff, right? The 2017, 2018, 2019 timeframe is when I was dealing with my stuff. I was actually living in San Francisco as well. And we didn't really know each other back then. But there's something about we're both 30 now. And there's something about when you're in your mid 20s and the transition of college life. I was also in a fraternity. I partied quite a bit. And then all of a sudden you get into the real world and you're supposed to be this person who wears a suit every single day. For me, like I, it's funny, I used to wear a suit and a tie to customer meetings because I wanted to look and feel older than I was. And I even still remember that when I had some customers ask me how old I was, I used to just straight up lie. <laughs> and I think I was like 23 or 24 at the time. And I used to say I was like my 30, 31, like my age that I am right now. Because there was this feeling of not being enough of the version that I was. And going and leaving college after those party years, and you're still holding on to it. That's what you knew. That's what you were surrounded by. For many of our friends, they are still, they were still in that. And for some still are very much in that party scene. And then transition into, I'd almost even call it like it's going through the tunnel. It's you start as this knight who's slain dragons, who's closing deals, who's going on dates, who's having the after parties. 
And then when you're doing that and doing that, and you're still not reaching a certain sense of fulfillment, you start to say, okay, so what am I supposed to do now? If this isn't it, what is it? And there's this like tunnel period. There's this like darkness of questioning everything, questioning you know, yourself, questioning your job, questioning where you live, questioning your relationships, everything. You're like, all this stuff is not real. I've created this like outer shell that's just fake. And what I've found is like when I personally have been in the tunnel, when I've supported and led people who are in the tunnel, I'm like, this is actually the good spot. Because the sooner that you are with it, the sooner that you say, okay, I'm in a tough place. I'm in the tunnel. I'm in the, oh, the shit. The sooner that you're able to bring presence and just accept that, I've found that it's actually a very thin wall of breaking through it. A very thin Mm -hmm. wall that all of a sudden when you're with it and you accept it and you're questioning, not from a judgmental perspective, but just say, hey, this is just what's going on with me. You break out of it and you're you're finding purpose. You're finding fulfillment. You're like a state of flow. You're enigmatic, right? For me, I remember once I was in 2017, 2018, I was seriously having a very bad drinking behavior. I was doing extracurricular drugs way too often. I was hanging out in the incorrect areas, just not aligned with myself. When I chose to be with that, I actually moved back to Seattle to be closer to my family. And I chose to go into and be with me. And from going through that, I eventually ended up finding outreach and finding so much purpose within who I was from being with it. And that kind of leads me to my next question for you is once you finally said, okay, I've got a problem. Okay, I'm going to start going to Gambling Anonymous. Okay, I'm going to start getting support. What was that period like? Once you finally raised your hand and said, okay, guys, I'm fucked up here. I need help. What's that like, that stage of the journey? Yeah, really good question. And what's funny is there's a lot of similarities in our story because I went to my first Gamblers Honest meeting December 1st, 2019. Haven't made a bet since. It's my sobriety date. And that's been three plus years now that I haven't made a bet of any kind. It's pretty crazy to look back because again, albeit it's three years, it feels so familiar. And I can literally feel myself in the Uber driving in a chilly San Francisco morning on a Saturday, going into my first meeting, being so scared, not knowing what to expect. And then realizing that, number one, I'm not alone. And it, and this is totally okay. And thinking about what the alternative is, right? I always... My therapist talks about this often. When you've got a problem. The problem is caused by you going down a certain path for a certain period of time. Now, when you're faced with that problem or decision to combat that problem, you've got two choices. You could go down path one, which you know exactly what's going to happen and how it's going to end. Or you can go down the scary, unknown path that you haven't been down before and put yourself in that uncomfortable position. And what I found was I needed to take those uncomfortable, scary paths because that's what enabled me to grow, right? If I, on December 1st, decided, you know what, I'm not going, 
who knows if I'm here today talking to you, but I gave myself a chance. And so what it felt like was I'm finally going to give myself a chance for once. I'm going to give myself a chance and I'm going to take that first step. And what happens is if you give yourself enough chances for a certain number of days in a row, all of a sudden you start compounding those days that you took a different path. This episode is brought to you by Alluvians. Alluvians is helping sales professionals and sales leaders master the craft of sales by transforming the inner game. Last year, we threw over four retreats and helped over 150 tech sales professionals, leaders, and founders. And next, we got it going on May 3rd through 5th in the beautiful Austin, Texas area. So make sure you apply to alluvians.co to check it out for more. And all of a sudden, your life looks a little bit different. 30 days after my first meeting, I haven't made a bet in 30 days. It's the longest time I've ever gone without making a bet in a long time. I started investing in reading The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson and started like understanding like, wow, if I really take a step back and think about how I've been living, it is crazy what I've been doing. And I actually started to open up to my therapist instead of lying and masking this version of myself. And I said, you know what? I'm letting go. I don't care. Here's everything that I'm going through. I need help. Same with my parents and my friends coming clean to them about, I just need help. I'm not going to do this on my own anymore. I need help. And so that's what that felt like. And really enough, not to take anything away of like how bad COVID was, but for me personally, it was the best thing that ever happened. Because what happened was I was able to move back home in four months into my recovery. So four months after December, it was like March. And in March, I went back home and then ultimately left San Francisco for good in May because of working from home and whatnot. And then that allowed me to start to dial in my nutrition and really start to be with a group of people from my gambling program in New Jersey who I connected with. And there was like three people from my hometown who were in the meetings that I had no idea about. And I started hanging out with them. And just like during COVID, I was close to my parents and I started down my weight loss journey. And because I was able to move home, I started paying off my debt. And then it all started with that one choice of, hey, I'm going to choose to live and think a different life for myself today. And then I put enough of those days of living and thinking differently in a row and then all of a sudden, my life six months later, when I'm, it's in June of 2020, 20 pounds lighter, got like 50K of debt paid off, haven't made a bet. My life is completely different. And I'm starting to really understand how to live and think in a different way. It was almost like I was like an infant relearning how to communicate with humans and realizing, wow, I've got so many things about my character that I realized that I never addressed. I was like, okay, if I can accept that I have a gambling problem, let's accept that I'm super insecure as a person. Let's also accept that I also feel like I'm not good enough. What can I do about those things? And I started to attack those things head on instead of ignoring them. And it's all started with accepting, having, accepting I had a problem in different areas of my life, not only the gambling, having the courage to ask for help. And then having the discipline to continue to show up. And it was those three simple steps that made my life look completely different. Mm -hmm. 
I'm going to add one thing though. <laughs> yeah. Because I think this is what is unique about you, my, my friend, is you then started sharing about it. There's very few people who had a gambling problem that are on podcasts talking about having a gambling problem that are sharing their story on LinkedIn and various other social media platforms, honestly and vulnerably. Like you even posted pictures of yourself being overweight before and after and to where you are now. That's extreme vulnerability right there. And sure, people might say it's supported him and he's probably gotten followers from it. And I said, no, that's unbelievably hard. There's certain parts about my life where I look back and I'm like, I don't want anybody to know that I was doing that. <laughs> I don't want anybody to see pictures of me looking like that or doing this. That's embarrassing. That's in the closet. I want it to stay there. How did you decide and what was the journey looking like for you to say, you know what, this is a message that I want to actually put out in the world? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What's funny is I started posting in 2021 in November. So it's roughly two years later after my, my mom catching me. And so it took me about 24 months to like really work on myself to feel confident in my ability to like make an impact. And I knew the last step of the 12 steps, it says something like, you're basically your duty now is to give back and help others. Mm. But I knew not only like I wanted to help other people struggling with gambling, I also wanted to help other people that are feeling insecure, that were feeling overwhelmed, that were feeling like they didn't have a chance and that they were feeling like really struggling. And I said, I need to share what the heck I just learned over the last 24 months because it's special and it's game changing. And I remember that was one piece, but I also was doing really well at outreach and I was building a ton of pipeline and I saw people posting about it and I was like, why not me? I got something good to, good to share. And so in November, I just took the leap and I was like, Okay. My logic was, if I post, will I regret doing so more than if I don't post and regret not doing it? And I said, I know that I will regret not trying at least. And so I tried and it worked. And the reason why I think it's worked, and of course, I still have haters, Everyone listening, I see you looking at my LinkedIn profile, but not cheering me on. So I know exactly who you are, and I appreciate you. What I knew to be true is if I continue to show up authentically, me, and not trying to be someone I wasn't, it was going to show other people that it was okay to do so. And then as a result, what happened was, yeah, like... I can help people book more meetings through prospecting. But when I talk about my story and my journey, the messages that I get to people, that lights me up. And another reason why it lights me up is because I can send those to my mom. And it's a symbol of how far I've come. Anthony, three plus years ago, he's not helping anyone. He couldn't even help himself. So the fact that I'm in a position to where I can impact others by using LinkedIn that was my logic to start. I was like, I know I can help at least one person. And if I do that, then that's a win. And I said that to myself on the first day. I was like, my goal is to help at least one person every time I post. And if I could do that, that's a W. Oh, yeah. 
Yet what I'm hearing from you that I really enjoy is you had to go through the challenge. You had to go through the pain and even all reflective, you had to burn in your own fire in order for you to learn the lesson and learn the gift and give it back. And I look at even my current life that I'm experiencing today, and I'm inspired by hearing your words because I'm like, I'm struggling in a few areas. I'm struggling at times with my mental health. I'm struggling at times with my imposter syndrome. I'm struggling at times with my relationships. And hearing you reminds me that, oh, the struggle is actually some of the best part. Maybe not at the time, but it's the times that you get to look back and say, that was actually the most important thing for me. Because when I leaned into it, the gift came from it. And then I was able to teach that to other people. I was able to share other people who are on that. We've talked about this before. The best people that we can coach are the people who are two to three years earlier than us on their path. Right. And so there's the people who are still struggling with gambling addiction, the people who are still struggling with imposter syndrome that then we can say, hey, I feel you, dog. I've been there and I know the pain that comes with it. And I also know the beauty that can come from it. Of getting the journey out and what it can become. So it's really inspiring to witness your journey. And what I really like, too, just about your brand is, yes, you talked about wonderful prospecting tips and building pipeline, how to do that. And that's such an incredible asset to have. But you mix it in with your brand, with you, your authenticity. I think that's why you've seen the engagement and the success that you've had, because you're not just a prospecting guy. (laughs) It's so much more than that. And you get to see where that journey will end up taking you. There is beauty in the struggle. And anyone that has hit rock bottom and made it out through a hard time, you've got a gift to share with other people. And so for anyone listening, you've been through something hard. There's also someone going through something similar that you can help with. And that's where like purpose and energy and your values can realign to something greater than just yourself. And you're absolutely right, you know. Had I not went through the gambling struggles, had I not went through that toxic relationship, I could not have what I have today. And so for that, I am eternally grateful for what I've gone through. I am super grateful. It's like, what a blessing all of that was. And what a blessing that I gave myself a chance. It's like, I have a beautiful girlfriend today. Could not have that without changing who I am as a person to align with finding someone like that. Or I could never talk about my struggles with anxiety and gambling and overeating if I hadn't gone through and done the work to get past that. It's like when you go through something tough and hard and you learn, it's because you grow. And then you're able to share that new perspective with other people and help them. It's like, that's the meaning of like a joyful life is to be able to give back to other people based on things that you've went through. It's like, what a pleasure that is. It's like you impact someone, they can change for the better, and then they can impact the next person. And 
it truly does make the world when you help yourself, you can really help others and make the world a better place than you you found it when you when you ultimately leave uh, the world one day. So you're now here at this stage of your journey, and you maybe about a year or so ago, maybe even more than that, you started the Revenue Labs with Tom Alema, who was also a recent guest on this, on the Rising Leader podcast, one of one of my good friends as well. And you've been throwing these awesome cohorts, you're teaching them, prospecting how to build pipeline, you're doing some coaching. Where are you at now in your journey? As you start to look at the version of yourself that you are wanting to step more into and that we can now start to expect to see more from Mr. Anthony Atoli. What does that look like? Because I'm assuming that what you've talked about now for the past two years, whatever it might be, I'm not saying it's old or stale, but it's evolving, especially as you communicate it and share it with people. Your journey is continuing to be worked on. Your shadows that you have, like I said earlier, that they don't go away are still being worked on and still being present in different types of ways. Yeah. Talk to me about now yeah. and what you plan on doing as you're going into this next stage of your journey. Yeah. What's funny and interesting is that people try to run from problems and eliminate them. The reality is that they never go away. Problems will never, ever go away. So my goal is always to try to enhance my life so that the problems that I do have are actually worth giving a shit about. So I want problems that like are good problems to have. It's like I used to have problems with gambling and overeating and partying. Now I have a different set of problems that are way different. And what that allows me to do is have gratitude. It's like, wow, I may have problems, but they're way better than what they used to be. So with that said, I still have problems, right? So what's my journey look like now is I've lost the weight, but I still struggle with that part of my life. So I need to address that again and really go deep with that. Gamble anymore, I don't have any urges. So I feel like that's a part of me that's in the past, but I still have to be cognizant of it because I know it could come up at any time. And so it's really looking at the areas of my life that aren't up to standard and addressing them. Like you and I talked about yesterday about what do I ultimately want to do with my career and what brings me energy, joy, and peace. And so I'm really trying to think about Hey, like, what does Anthony actually care about and value? And how can I align my environment to those things more and more? Because the things that I liked even in 2019, when I started on my personal development journey, I don't care much about them as much about them as I may do now. So it's all about what's that next level for me to bring me purpose and energy and joy and just like serenity. And so that's what I'm really trying to discover is. Hey, the problems that I have now, where are they coming from? What's my relationship look like them? How am I approaching them? And what's beautiful is that because of what I went through is I don't any longer try to solve everything on my own. It's like I talk to people around me. Three plus years ago, I'd keep everything in because I didn't want anyone to think I had any problems. I was scared to share. And so for me now, it's using what I've learned to get myself to that next level. And so I want to continue to help other people grow and develop. And what that looks like with my career, I'm still unsure. But I know that I have a different set of values. And I have a, there's a different set of things externally that give me joy. And so I want to prioritize what those things are in my life, whether it be career, whether it be family, whether it be 
relationships, whether it be traveling, right? It's like, I want to live a life that aligns with things that like actually give me energy and joy. And I want to eliminate as many things as possible that take away from that. Like that to me is special. If I can continue to do things that really give me energy, peace and joy, like we talked about yesterday, then man, that's a serene life to be living. And when problems do come up and do arise, it's not ignoring them. It's sitting with them and using them as a call to action. What are these emotions really trying to tell me? And I think for me, that'll help me up-level my consciousness. And then going through that will help me ultimately help other people, which is like really what I want to do next in my journey. It's like I want to help as many people as I possibly can, whether it be through coaching, whether it be through posting on LinkedIn or creating content, when moving into a leader. There's so many different ways I can take it. But I know that at this point in my journey... I'm meant to do something bigger and greater than just focusing on me, right? It's time to continue to use what I've learned to help other people and make that impact. I want to double tap on something that you said that I think is unbelievably important is the three words that you identified right there as your guiding light or the lens that you are looking through as you're saying, what's next for me? And that was energy, peace, and joy. Energy, peace, and joy. And what I love about that is that then becomes the filter that we look through that determines, is this aligned for me? If I am considering a new job, a new relationship, moving somewhere, a group or a community that I'm joining, is it aligned with what's important to me right now? And what's funny for me, like I remember back in 2018 when I was leaving Microsoft and looking for my next gig. Right. My three things that I cared more about than anything was being challenged as a sales professional. So I'd be learning. I wanted an opportunity to be part of a great culture and something that was bigger than just myself. And number three, I wanted an opportunity for leadership, right? Whether it was right away or also receiving from great leaders. And that's now for me really changed and it's evolved. And while I still love those parts about myself and they're still core to who I am. I now really care about purpose. <laughs> like it needs to align with purpose. Do I feel called toward? Do I feel like I'm actually making a difference in the world by doing this? I'm not here just to crush quota and make a shit ton of money. Am I down for those things? Sure. But I also want that to be merely a byproduct of me living a certain life that feels like I'm making a meaningful impact. Also, what's really important to me lately is spaciousness. <laughs> I want space and a place to move slowly. I even want to walk slower. I want to eat slower. I want to talk slower. I want to be more present with where I'm at. So purpose and spaciousness are two things for me personally that when I'm saying, okay, what am I really freaking doing here in my life? That's the guiding light that I'm looking towards. Yeah. And I think what's so interesting is that if you look at Anthony that was in his early 20s, and if he listened to what you just said, he'd be such a hater. And what is this like nonsense these people are spewing? And I think why people like you and I and others connect on such a deeper level is because of this perspective of things that we've been through. And we actually know what's important to us as individuals. And then you have people, and I'm not anyone to judge, 
that judge people like you and I who are posting on LinkedIn and sharing our stories. And that typically stems from a place of jealousy or insecurities within them that they then judge others because they don't have something fulfilled within them. And so it's just like this interesting cycle how I used to be such a jealous and a person and a hater. And now I love seeing people win. Even the people that I know don't like me or whatever, or have problems with me. Like I want other people to win because like, why wouldn't I, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm comfortable enough with where I'm at that. Why do I care if someone on my team closes a deal or whatever is doing well? It's like, that should fire me up because when someone else wins, it means you have an opportunity to win too. And it's just so interesting because like the people that are the haters or get jealous, like I've been there. So I know exactly what they feel. Um, and so it's always interesting dealing with that when you post on LinkedIn or whatever the case is. Like it's just a funny full circle moment because I'm talking about things that the old Anthony would be like, wow, that guy's such a clown or whatever. It's just funny, man. It's how it all works. But once people do go through an experience and realize that, hey, there is a different way of thinking and living and people upgrade their internal iOS, if you will, and get out of those that party or college phase or whatever phase that they're in, you can start to appreciate and respect other people's perspectives and experiences and admit that it's okay to ask for help rather than like trying to do it all on your own. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, this has been awesome, man. I love what we're talking about. I was this is exactly what I was hoping for it to end up being. And I've got a final question here for you, and it is my new repeat question I will be asking all my guests on the show. But before I ask that question, I just want to acknowledge you, man. Acknowledge you for your uh, stepping in, man. Stepping up into who you have become. It's been a blessing to witness you over the past two or three years and to see the impact that you've made and even just owning your voice and owning your message. And it's inspiring from me, from someone who was your manager. I'm like, man, I'm learning a shit ton from this guy. So thank you for that. And my last question for you is this. This podcast is called The Rising Leader Podcast. What do you view as the rising leader coming when it comes to sales, when it comes to business, when it comes to life, what does the rising leader look and feel like to you? The rising leader that I believe will have the biggest impact on for their teams are ones that get the most out of their people by elevating their strengths and not shying away from areas of opportunity. I don't call them weaknesses. I view them as areas of opportunity. It's one that is confident in who they are and they're vulnerable because that creates an environment for other people to be open and vulnerable and to become the best versions of themselves. I think that they are a source of energy for others as well. And they don't show up in a way that will inhibit people to feel, you know, themselves. And they're not talking just about numbers, but they're putting the people first and letting everything else performance wise kind of take care of itself. 
But also, like, comes down to the business, they can obviously take care of that. But it's all about being a source of energy for other people, getting the best and most out of their people, and really exploring the areas of opportunity and improvement, and making sure that's always a topic of discussion and talking about the things that are important to them as individuals, not just the business. Well said. I like that rising leader. I'd follow that rising leader right there. (laughs) Me too. Wonderful. Brother, appreciate you being on the Rising Leader Podcast and being an example of it in your everyday life. And for the listeners, thank you for attending once again. And if you like this, please share it for whoever needs to hear it. There's a lot of good nuggets within this. And Anthony, I'll talk to you soon, my friend. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for listening to the Rising Leader Podcast. Make sure you hit that follow button so you get notified every time a new episode releases. If you know someone who wants to take their lives and their career to the next level, Send them this episode so we can all rise together. For more information, check out alluvians.co. We'll see you next time. And in the meantime, keep letting it flow. This episode is brought to you by Alluvians. Alluvians is helping sales professionals and sales leaders master the craft of sales by transforming the inner game. In the past 12 months, we've thrown over four retreats and impacted over 100 tech sales professionals, leaders, and founders on diving in deep on what really matters, but really mastering the craft and being in an incredible community. Our next Arise Immersion is coming up this May 3rd through 5th in the beautiful Austin, Texas area, and make sure you grab your spot. Check out alluvians.co to apply there. Hope to see you there.